back on the clock. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield. I'm joined by Mike Renner of Free Agency right now. Mike, uh, no, he has a podcast on Lockdown called Renner's Ranks. You guys got to check it out. But Mike, thank you so much for joining the show today. What's up, my man? For sure, Brett. Thanks for having me on, brother. <laughs> yeah, this is um, this is an uh, uh, honor to you because we have, this is our second season of the show and this is the first episode. So you are the guest for season, season premiere episode one yeah season premiere it's like i'm the guy that gets teased like you see tease the premiere for like a month before i'm you you get the whole lead up yeah. to it all the b-roll footage is is of just me and mike sitting there talking so <laughs> yeah no cool well yeah man i i had to have you on you you were on last year you did a great job i've always appreciated and and loved your draft takes i think you're one of the best in the business at doing it so i figured i'd have you come on it's early in the process for my listeners so that you know we're going to set the stage with a, just a brand new clean draft board. And I figured we'd get into some position groups today, Mike. I want to talk about your favorite position group and your least favorite position group of the draft. Why don't we start with the bad news and go running backs? Yeah, running back class this year is, it's bad, man. It's just, there's no, if you told me there's not a single starter from this class next year, it wouldn't surprise me. There's just Whoa. no one, It's it's not only like, that I, I don't think like any of them have like high end rushing talent. Like there's just there's not like that. There's nothing close like a Bijan, right? But there's also there's also not a lot of like complete three down backs who are even like fringe. Oh, that could be you know, that, it could be a guy if he goes to the right situation where they have no running backs, he he could be a three down back. It's like now like most of the top guys are kind of not are kind of like one trick runners like between the like power guys a lot of power guys in this draft class who are not necessarily dynamic or multifaceted in their skill sets and then then there's also like receiving backs but then they're not between the tackles there's just so there's there's one not a lot of high-end runners and then two not a lot of complete running backs so it's just it's a tough class and i already don't like scouting running backs to begin with as a former (laughs) pff employee yeah same i mean same there so uh well let's get into your top five then i i know you've got, got my michigan guy here blake corum number one what do you uh what do you love or not love about blake corum <laughs> i just think he has an easily nfl translatable game from what i saw on tape and you've seen a lot of tape from him. obviously he's a senior he has a great build i love the compact guys the 5'8 but 210 plus pounds you know the maurice jones drew sort of guys they're just they're tough to bring down um and they're you know when you see contact balance from guys like that you can like trust that it's going to happen in the nfl too because that's just they have a lower center of gravity they can cut easier at that size it's just it's a lot of advantages to being shorter at the running back position so and then at the michigan in that scheme obviously nfl sort of run concepts nfl sort of gaps that he's asked to run between not a lot for as much as they you know were good rushing offense it wasn't because there were these gaping holes that he had to run through he was still you know, having to churn out tough yardage. So that's always good to see. And so all that combines, he's number one back, but it's like, he's number one back that I still wouldn't touch until the end of the third round at earliest, right? So that's what we're talking yeah. about here in terms of this running back class. You know someone will earlier than that, though, I and mean, that's just the way the end True, true. There, there will be running back shaft earlier than that, but I just, yeah, not, not this year for me. There's just, there's not a big spread between even running back one and running back like six, seven in this class. Yeah, I feel you there. Um, I'm right there with you. With Blake specifically, I kind of felt like his 2023 tape was not nearly as good as 2022. There's been rumors he was dealing with like an injury all season long, but I feel like the burst that you're used to seeing just was not there. 
And he I would spread those rumors too after that season. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's actually a really good point. How much of that is agent speak? How much of that is, is actually truth? But he couldn't really make guys miss at the same level he was making guys miss before that. But man, his uh, his sophomore junior tape I thought was absolutely fantastic. I agree. And that's kind of what I lean more onto is like you saw it now, obviously, you know, I don't I'm not gonna get medical information. You'll get that at the combine, maybe some leaks on it, but like if you can tell me he's clean bill health back to the guy we saw as junior, I, I think he's still running back one. Yep. Uh, your next guy, Trey Benson, Florida State. This seems to be the popular choice between him and Jonathan Brooks for that number one spot. Um, Benson kind of feels like a do-it-all guy. He's got a unique running style, though. Uh, break down Benson for me. So he's taller back, right? Six one. Any time you're over six foot, it's like unique in the NFL landscape. There's just not a lot of those guys. But I love his ability to break tackles. I love how strong he is. I mean, he's six one, but he's also like two twenty-five plus. Like he's a big back. And then you mentioned the unique run style. Like he's six one, but also runs tall. So all the things that I said about Quorum and his NFL translatable running style, like there's questions there about Benson, but he breaks a lot of tackles by kind of like giving a leg and then taking it away. And he's very light on his feet for a guy that size and very laterally agile. So I just I think there's still a lot to like. And if it like you said, I think there's of all the guys who could be real three down potential he's probably the closest there in my eyes whereas brooks brooks is my next brooks is my running back three jonathan brooks texas running back but he's coming off an acl right and as much as i loved his tape and probably if he didn't have the acl i'd put him in the rb1 i'd put him probably at that spot it's like that could release his entire rookie season and with how much you know running back is athletically driven you don't know how well he's going to fully recover from that and also it's like with rookie contracts, you need to maximize running backs value on those cheap four years. And if you're just throwing one out the window, that's just going to push him down the board a little bit. Yep. That I think he would be my far and away RB one if it wasn't for the injury. And people think that's petty, but it's the reality of the running back position in the NFL. So um, Jalen Wright, number four, this is like the most explosive back in the class. Probably is that your read on him as well? Yeah. So Tennessee running back Jalen Wright, he just he's got juice man he's coming from an offense at tennessee where they didn't it seemed like i wasn't say they didn't teach him like how to like read blocks but it's like he could freestyle he wanted it was basically they they told him to go create big plays and that's you know like guys like same scheme like lachi c strunk or whatever like it's it's a it's an offense that's created big plays for running backs because he's dealing with spread formation six seven man boxes at most yeah. And if he can find daylight, he goes to it, uh, irregardless of what the concept is, because usually that's, you know, when that explodes, that's a good thing. So that's just not going to work in the NFL. So I, I, I wish we could have seen him at the senior bowl. I wish we could have seen him, um, in a different offense, but running back still so traits driven. That's why guys like Isaiah Pacheco can succeed as seventh rounders and like routinely do. So that's like, that's kind of who he is in this class. It's just like a guy who's so gifted athletically that, you kind of take that chance to see what he can be. Pacheco was the name I was going to invoke there as well, because Pacheco often gets referred to as being blind, you know? So uh, Jay, I wouldn't say he's blind, but I do think you're right. The freelance is too much. I'd kind of like to see him land in a team that runs a lot of gap scheme where you're just giving him a gap. Just go hit this yeah. gap, you know, and hopefully, hopefully we create some daylight for you and we can maximize that explosiveness. But um, right on. So Kimani Vidal, number five, this is one of my senior bowl faves. Um, you know, he, he had an okay week there, but I loved him going into the week. Tell me about him. 
he's he's real wound up for a guy. So he's like probably same size as Blake Corum, about. Um, but I think he's a little more explosive, a little better top speed than even Corum. Now, not much as a receiver. I think he struggled at senior bowl in the receiving one on ones. Um, but that's he can catch a ball out of the backfield though, and like in space, he's dynamic. Like he can has some make you miss ability. And then again, that frame, I just trend towards guys like that who are in that body type. I just think it's one that's proven successful at the NFL level. So I, I'm saying I like them, but also it's like, man, we're talking about end of the fourth, fifth round yeah. type of guys at this point, in my opinion. For for you fantasy listeners out there, one thing I love about Vidal, too, is he's excellent in pass pro. Um, really, really good in pass pro. And for whatever reason, you know, NFL values that you have to be good at it to get on the field usually as a rookie so if he lands in the right spot who knows what could happen he might he might get some playing time as a rookie there so fantasy note um one other guy i'd like to ask you about because he's one of my faves and didn't make your top five kentucky running back ray davis i see him as a one of the few complete backs in this draft he can bang between the tackles but he's also a really good pass catcher yeah i'm very excited to actually see him at the combine and what he kind of runs because i think he's just solid all around like there's not a lot of weaknesses to his game you mentioned his pass catching ability. His hands were awesome at the scene. Like he has some of the like most natural ability to haul in the pat like passes. Just seems second nature to him. That's always a good thing. But to me, he's more like is he closer to C.J. Anderson, where it's like right. he's really just a five yards in a cloud of dust sort of guy, or is there another gear there where maybe he could create a little more explosive plays the next level? Yeah, it's, I feel like he looks a lot faster running vertical routes than he did ever with the ball in his hands. So that's. Slightly concerning for sure. Um, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, he's what, 5'8, 225 or something? Like, yeah, really, another guy who has that just ideal RB yeah, build. Just a uh, Maurice Jones Drew kind of build there. So, all right, sweet. Um, let's jump into quarterbacks. This is like, I mean, we're going to be debating these guys from now until literally the, the night of the draft or probably even after that as these guys, their careers start to develop. But um, you have one of the more unique top fives I've seen, the order of it. I can't say I've seen anyone else with a top five like this. Um, why don't you kick it off with your top guy in the class? My top guy is Drake May in this class, the North Carolina quarterback. I just think you saw more NFL things from him at a younger age than any other quarterback. And he's not only has a high floor because of that, like his ability to work the middle of the football field, his ability to manipulate defenders, kind of throw guys open kind of creativity he plays with. And then just like the high end athleticism, like he's just a very natural athlete, a guy who, you know, if you wanted to play him at tight end, like I think you could just tomorrow put on 20 more pounds and you could be like a high level tight end in the NFL. If you want to play baseball, like this guy probably could have played baseball at a high level. He just is very easy with everything he does. So I think there's also some like developmental potential with him in that he's not consistent with his footwork and with, uh, his base from the pocket. And it's like, if you can get that guy more consistent and that's obviously something that, you know, you talk about with like Anthony Richardson last year. So he's already like fairly accurate. It's obviously like not a high end strength of his, but he's fairly accurate with that inconsistency. If you can get a more consistent, I think there's some meat on the bone there to where it's not only has a fairly high floor from what I've seen, but also I think his ceiling's pretty high uh, as well. So for all those reasons, I, I have him QB one, but it's also, Caleb Williams, QB2, they're also they're both just elite prospects. They, they are, I see them as special sort of top of the draft guys that just not every class has. So it's it's really no knock to Williams, in my opinion. It's just I think May's also special. 
Yeah, May. So May is admittedly my QB four, but I this is a rare class where I like my top four like a lot. I like all four guys. I think they're all worth high first round picks. Um, with May, something I a positive I, I I think needs to be talked about, especially May and Caleb Williams for that matter is when you're comparing to guys like Bo Nix and uh, Jaden Daniels, they're what twenty four years old. They're yeah. they've got that they've already gone through kind of that developmental curve where. You know, when we left Jaden Daniels' age 21 season and Bo Nix's age 21 season, nobody on planet Earth thought those guys were first-round picks. So for Drake being where he's at as a 21-year-old, I think does speak to how special he is. Um, so yeah, even though he is my key before, I, I definitely think that's uh, working in his favor for sure. Uh, oh, we also kind of buried the lead. Like the reason we're talking QBs is because you think the QB class is, is is exceptional and one of your favorite groups in this draft. Yes. So like you said, the top four, we actually have different top fours, but I see the top four also all, all worth top 10 picks. I do think it's that good of a quarterback class and all like kind of all like different guys in a way. Like I think there's distinctly different strengths and weaknesses for each to where there will be a top five. Every top five will be just distinctly different. There's no easy hierarchy of these dudes it's like man what do you want in a quarterback one of these guys probably has it and then if you if that's like what you value then you're going to have that guy higher uh could even have him give you one you know any of the like the top five in this class yeah so jumping right in then to your number three i don't know that i've seen anybody else with him in your top three and that's bo nix oregon qb bo nix uh, formerly of auburn um tell me what you like about bo because maybe you can change my mind a little bit i like that he just he didn't make mistakes with the football this past year, you know, on a throw for throw basis. And now a lot of that's Oregon offense did have a lot of underneath stuff. And even if you, you know, take out the hundred or whatever screen passes that he had in that offense, he still didn't make like throw for throw, like tacking down the football field. I think the, the PFF turnover where he placed that was still on 10 plus yard throws. He was still like half the turnover worthy play rate of anyone else in this class as quarterbacks. So it's still like, even when he did take chances, they were not bad chances. So, like, the guy we saw at Auburn is, like, completely gone in that regard. Yeah. And also, I think that that almost is working in his favor just in terms of what we've seen at the quarterback position, guys like Jalen Hurts, um, guys like even, you know, Brock Purdy, the guys who start for that long in college, who play early, get better every single year, get to the NFL, they have that experience and, like, no one's going to question Bo Nix's work ethic. And like every year he's improved on something. And then the tools are like pretty high end. He's a pretty good athlete with a pretty darn good arm. So uh, I also think he's the best uh, pure like speed processor in this draft class in terms of like getting a defense right away, knowing where that football is supposed to be, making that decision. If he does that, I'd be like question, can he get to a second read? Because he just did it was so efficient at getting to his first read accurately on time in that Oregon offense and didn't like have to get to the second read. Yeah, he does throw in rhythm, you know, very well. That's that's a strength of his. You do think his arm is good? I think it's a plus arm. I, I don't think it's uh I, I mean, I think I'd put McCarthy's probably slightly ahead of him. I'd put Williams is definitely ahead of him. And I think May right about that tier. But I think Daniels, I, I think he has a stronger arm than actually even Jane Daniels does. But that one's I don't I don't think any of them have weak arms by any means, but uh those two are probably like still just like solid NFL arms, nothing special. Yeah, I could buy that Nix has a better arm than Daniels. Let's jump into Daniels too. This is a guy. Everything you just talked about with Nix, a lot of lot of experience developing. Developing that's that's Jane yep. Daniels. He's what a five year starter. One of those years he was injured, obviously. But I mean, there's there's a lot of experience there. Yeah, and he's 
you know, the guy's going to run and he's probably not going to run at the combine, but he would run like a low four, four. Right. And that's, I think the biggest selling point in my eyes is that, man, if you forget about him, there's a home run waiting to happen with how just much that guy can fly. And so while I'm not sure he's going to be, you know, featured the way Jalen Hurts is in a rushing offense. Justin Fields can be because he's skinny. Like, I do worry about him taking hits, and he doesn't protect himself the way Lamar Jackson does for a skinny quarterback. Yeah. Lamar Jackson's like the GOAT at avoiding big hits. Jane Daniels, not so much. So there is that worry with him about featuring him too much, but it's still such a weapon. And accuracy-wise, downfield this year, he was as good as he got in college football, man. <laughs> there were games – I mean, the Ole Miss game I remember watching, I was just like, wow, he made – probably like six throws down the field where it's just like you couldn't place it any better. So yeah, that, that combo is just such a winning combo where it's like, what do you have to do when the guys runs a four or four, the quarterback, well, you have to put more guys in the box. You have to bring more guys into the mix to stop the run. Well, then what's he the best at taking it over the top of that. So yeah. it's really, you know, a winning combo when you get to the NFL, I, I do think there's probably a little more issues with him as a pure passer than any of these other guys that I worry about in terms of like, pocket presidents working in the middle of the football field, but man, he's just such a talented dude. And it's just another guy's improved every single year that it's easy to buy in. Yeah. He, um, I tweeted last night, actually, I was <laughs> finished all my Jaden Daniels tape last night and I tweeted between his running ability and his deep ball accuracy that basically makes him a terminator. Like what, yeah. like what, what are we going to do to stop this guy? I mean, it's insane. So the cop I've been going to is RG three and like, Mm. that rg3 back that was what he did his first year at washington right before yeah. obviously he wanted to become a completely different quarterback than who he was right <laughs> before he wanted in, to in actually, injuries to injuries must yeah up. injuries as well but like that was deadly that combination he yep. just like went for over 800 yards of rusher had so many big plays through the passing game because he was accurate down the football field it's like you can win with that and any you know semblance of a creative offense coordinator with you yeah, I think as the season went on, he got better attack in the middle of the field. Um, he, I tweeted also that he's got every club in the in the golf bag, so to speak. I think that wasn't true in 2022, and even early last year that wasn't true. But he added a couple clubs in his bag by the end of the season, where he was able to attack the middle of the field a little bit more confidently. Um, that, that's also a good sign. He's still continuing yep. to find ways to get better, even though he's been, you know, has so much experience. So. Um, I do think he goes really high because the running ability plus plus his deep ball accuracy is just it, it's just too much. It's too much to pass on. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, number five, and this is going to be the most polarizing for you and I because your fifth is my number one, and that is Michigan quarterback, the national champion JJ McCarthy. Yes, he's. I mean, he is a awesome athlete. I know, like that's what I'm talking about. This class is all five guys, and why I'm really high on it. They're all guys who didn't necessarily have to be quarterbacks, right? That's not true, I don't think, every year, where all these guys were like just natural whatever it would have been, and they decided to play quarterback. That, to me, that's not always the case uh, in a quarterback class. But with this one, it is why I really like this quarterback class. He's just so fluid. He's so good in the pocket. He's probably the best in the pocket in terms of like moving, operating tight quarters, getting himself free when it's ugly, He's awesome at that. And like in that offense, Michigan, he didn't have to deal with, there there were no RPOs. There were no screens, wide screens. There were no pop passes. He wasn't doing, you know, so I didn't have a ton of attempts. It was all NFL concepts, NFL translatable stuff that he was doing. So anything he did, it's like, okay, that's going to immediately work at the next level. 
the one worry, the biggest worry I have, I guess there's two big worries I have. Two, two big worries. One, the, the one like actual on-field worry though, is he just throws lasers, man. He, he really does not <laughs> throw a touch. Like he doesn't even like attempt to throw a touch. Speaking either. of missing clubs. <laughs> yeah. So like, what does that look like? Can you develop that? I, that one, I'm not sure, but he, I mean, he has a nice arm. Like the guy has a plus plus <laughs> arm. He shows it off with every throw. So that's the worry, like on the football field that actually, and like some of those are not like more than I'd like, probably more than the other guys in this class ended like in linebackers chest, right? He put lasers into linebackers. Like it actually showed up as an issue on tape and throws that he probably could have, should have layered that mm-hmm. actually ended up being uh, bad throws. But the other one is, and I know they won the national championship and I know they didn't need him to be the guy, but there were times throughout the season where it's like, man, you running game wasn't necessarily working and they never really turned the keys over to him. And it's like, you have one of the best coaches in college football, one of the best coaches in the NFL and Jim Harbaugh. If you really were that dude who's, you know, deserving of top five, 10 pick and really saw that in you, you would think he would probably, and you have guys like Roman Wilson, uh, Cornelius Johnson there. You have like legit receivers. You would have thought that, that at some point they kind of would have turned the keys over to him and say like, let's win some games. Now, again, they won the national championship. It's not like that's a small knock by for sure. But I think it was like his last six games, he went for over 150 yards passing once or something. That's yeah, just, that's he, a little worrisome to me that they just didn't yeah. ever feel like let's put it on JJ's arm. Um, he'll go win us again. I'll push back on both those critiques a little bit. The first Please one, do. I, I'd like to hear, I, I would love yeah. to hear. Yeah. The first one, I think you are mostly correct. I do think he needs to develop, add some clubs at the bag. The only pushback is I think outside the numbers, he figured out how to layer the ball, specifically against cover two when he's got to fit the ball between corner safety. He wasn't always ripping it sometimes. Like he throws sail routes and, and you know, flat seven concepts better than any quarterback in this class. Like I felt like he really did get a grasp on that, knowing when to put touch on the ball, knowing when to rip it. Over the middle of the field, though, I do, I do concede to your point i don't think he i think he's got line drives and that's it he's gonna have to figure out how to put the ball over linebackers heads drop it in over those second level defenders um if he doesn't that could be a steep learning curve for him um the the end of the year when they weren't really throwing the ball there's two things going on he was he was actually hurt that was that happened in the maryland game he got hurt he played terrible in that game as well and then their right tackle situation this year was not good. Yeah, um, it was turn on the Penn State tape. I think they JJ did, yeah, dropped back nine times in the first half. He got hit on almost all nine of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, and I think they just Shamar Moore just said, "We are not throwing the ball the rest of this game. Um, just can't do it." The one time they really did say, "Hey JJ, we're down. You got to go win us a game." Was against TCU, and he almost did it. Uh, I think what he did have a couple really bad turnovers in that game. So I'm not saying it was a perfect game by any means, but when when they put the ball in his hands to go out there and do it. He made some of his best plays of his, of his career. So, um, again, I don't think he's a perfect prospect, though. I've never claimed that. I just I think what you said earlier, the stuff he does in the pocket, the the accuracy, the pro style offense, some of those intangibles. That's what kind of makes. I think he's got a really really high floor, and that's what makes him my QB one. But the the meditation what was what they keep harping on in the national championship game. His. Uh, his peace of mind or what yeah. they kept saying. He was like his, he kept doing like meditating before the game or whatever. And he had the coach on the sideline giving him mental, whatever advice. He's the most at peace quarterback in this class. That's yeah, sure. there, there we go. Um, <laughs> Zen. We, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Michael Penix Jr.'s name, because he is in a lot of people's top fives. He's not in my top five, but he is, he would be my QB six in this class. Um, what are you seeing on Penix? Why don't you have him in your top six? If, 
if we did go six quarterbacks, would we talk about him? I think he's, I think like, yeah, I think, I think six, I think he's my six. Um, I, I think he's like a guy that could start in the NFL. Like I, I could very well see him being a top 32 QB when all said and done. I think there's a lot to like about him. I, I think he has a pretty big arm, even if it looks funky. And it's not even like it's funky and not even like a long release, though, funky, which is unique. A lot of funky releases are like long. This one's just like a short, but funky. Uh, it's like the lefty Philip Rivers kind of. So he yeah. still gets it to where it's going like quickly. So I, I don't have like too many questions about it, but it's also he's inaccurate. And when you have a funky release and you're inaccurate, there's no let's give you a more traditional release and make it accurate. It's like that's that's not going to happen. He's not going to go to a you know, a normal court, you know, quote unquote, traditional throwing motion. It's just, he's yeah. too far away. So there's no, like no way to fix that sort of inaccuracy. So I think you're just going to have to live with that. And it, there's no, he was not a guy who created on his own. He, he was a guy who had to win from the pocket and relied a lot on kind of just like giving it to his to three wide receivers that are going to be top 100 picks. Like he was just yep. facilitating downfield by throwing kind of Hail Marys at times, just like some jump balls to these guys who were just nasty wide receivers. So yeah, all that together, it's like, I, I like them. I just don't think there's necessarily a next level to his development that we're missing here after six years of his college team. With how much you value quarterbacks, because I know you do because you're a former PFF guy, <laughs> round two or round three grade for, for Penix? I think it depends on the situation. I could see taking him at the back end of round two. Okay. So, but that, but more likely than not, I would take him in the. I'd, I'd want to take him in the third round. I can dig it. Yeah. W- one thing that's funny with Penix too is it, when you see him try to throw on the run, he like he physically can't do it. It's kind of funny. It's a little. It's a little Jared Goffish actually. Except I think Goff's <laughs> an accurate thrower, but but like Goff physically has a really hard time throwing the ball on. Yes, him. he does. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so. I know you got to get out of here. I have one more bonus question I want to ask you about a prospect that I have concerns on where everybody's just enamored. And one of the things I've always appreciated about you, Mike, is you know how to take and apply context to things that you see. Um, That's probably your PFF background because you can look at a data set and kind of discern what's what. Malik Neighbors, Mm -hmm. I think he's a very good prospect, but I don't see him as a guy who's pushing for the number one slot or even number two for me. I really like Rome still. My big issue with neighbors is at the college level, you see a ton of two high looks. You see a ton of quarters. He played mostly in the slot and a lot of most of his big plays, those those plays that everyone's throwing out on Twitter. They came in those situations where he's isolated one on one with a deep safety and quarters look that has literally no chance of stopping a two way go from Malik neighbors or he's got a, a slot corner and, and cover three playing 10 yards off the ball. You just there's not a lot of reps of him winning one on one against good corners on the outside, or 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 whatnot. And I know we have to scout traits and not production, but anyways, give me give me your two cents on this. So my my take has been to start. It's like if you want an X wide receiver, you'll draft Odunze or Marvin Harrison Jr. Right? If you want a guy who just is going to run that route in your offense, that they're not close in my opinion. There's a big difference, big gap between those two and neighbors in that regard, but. The NFL is moving away from that, right? right. That's not a, like you can find a role, which is, you know, basically what, you know, Tyreek Hill does in Miami, what uh, Zay Flowers did in Baltimore this past year, where it's like you just move that guy. He's the guy that's going in motion and you give him play. He's getting a free release vertical to your safety. Like, it, and then when that's the case, 
he's too dynamic to like when, when he's the guy who is that player in your offense, he's uncoverable, right? You give him a free ahead of steam going up the football field yeah. with his traits and it's just, it's lights out. So that's, that's my take on it is that, yeah, he's, you almost just have to know what you're getting with him and it's not a traditional wide receiver. It's just an offensive weapon yeah. um, that you have to kind of scheme stuff up for. But when you do, it's like th- there may not be, three or four guys better in the NFL even right now at doing what he could do in those situations. Yeah. So I guess the, where I I see a little pause is like NFL, even linebackers are much better at match carry deliver like in zone concepts than college defenders are. So Mm -hmm. I just wish we had more reps of him winning with route running and tech and technique. I know he's insanely explosive and listen, I'm, I'm not out on him. I still mocked him 15th in my mock draft. I, um, I see like an explosive Amon Ra which they, you know, Amon Ra's used similarly to what you're mm-hmm. talking about. A lot of motion. They don't put them at one spot. They move them all, all around trying to get the matchups they want. Um, so if he ended up on an Amon Ra arc, nobody would care that he was the 15th overall pick. So, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Just traditionally, though, we've seen those guys get drafted a little bit later. Think of like Elijah Moore and Wandell Robinson. They won mm-hmm. very similarly at the college level. Um And, and they, they both went, what, second round. And I think Amon Ra went in the fourth round. And yeah. You know, Yada yada. So, but yeah, where do, so where do you, uh, do you have obviously a firm first round grade on him? Where do you, where do you see him going? Neighbors? I, top five, dude. Top five. I think he's really, you think he's going to go top five in the draft? I still do. Yeah. Okay. I you think Harrison do. goes top five? Oh, yeah. I think Marvin Harrison's either three or four. And okay. then I think neighbors, the Chargers, it just, that would make too much sense, in my opinion, for what they need. So that's a spot where I actually would like it because they have outside receivers covered. So that'd be sweet. That'd be sweet. I don't know that they'll, the chargers will like, do you think Harbaugh values passing the ball enough to like <laughs> go Quinton Good John- question, right? He didn't I, draft Quinton Johnson, but he's going to look at that roster and say, Oh, we've got receivers, you know? Yeah. I, I, it's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, he's been out the NFL now so long, obviously back when he was with San Fran, what they had, they had Crabtree. Who was their number two? I'm even trying to think back then, but it was, I mean, that was an O-line dominant team, right? That was yeah. how they won. They had some good number two, though. I swear. Who was the number two for the 49ers way back then? Like was, that 12 that, team uh, that went to the Super Bowl. Is that 20, 2012, right? Yeah. I want to say that one more guy who was, like, not bad. But, I mean, it was, like, it was a run first team. So, I maybe Was that it? That, that definitely wasn't who I was thinking of if that was their second best wide receiver in 2012. I'm looking. They had Manningham. They had Ted Ginn Jr. They had A.J. Jenkins. Definitely was not AJ Jones. Yeah. They had Randy Moss, actually. Maybe they didn't. Then maybe they won't draft a wide receiver. Yeah, I guess it was just it was Crabtree and Vernon Davis heavy. Oh, for, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, damn. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like that was again yeah. 12, that was 12 years ago it that was, we were talking about. So I it's I don't know if Harbaugh is gonna be philosophically necessarily the same guy. I mean, to, to a degree he will be, but like Will he will he want more different in his offense, especially when you have Justin Herbert, right? You yeah. you didn't have Justin Herbert back then. You had Colin Kaepernick, a little different skill set. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been pounding the table for Hollywood Brown to go reunite with Greg Roman. I know he didn't like Greg Roman, but I like the pair. So I think that'd be a really nice fit in that offense. So and that that's yeah. you know, they do similar things, neighbors in, in Hollywood Brown there. So that would be that would be fun. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, we're gonna get out of here. For, for the listeners, uh, make sure you check out fantasypoints.com for the prospect guide. It will be coming soon. 
250 write-ups. I'm doing it all. And uh, go check Mike out on Locked On for uh, what is what is the name of your podcast again? It's uh, Renner Ranks. Renner Ranks on the Locked On Network. It's an absolute banger. Go check it out. We are out. Yeah.